You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, independent, listener-supported radio. I'm back, back in the New York Brian. <laughs> what am I looking at? Brian, you're looking at a very stylish man. A man that's 40 years old and... And it's not having a midlife crisis. This really just has a, an advanced sense of style. You are you just wearing that jacket as like, I am. like you were just like that's not a like a costume of some sort. <laughs> 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 I was thinking, why does it look familiar? Like, I it looks like um, I thought it was maybe like nine hundred two one zero or something. Like I've seen it on like. On, it's very uh, stylish. It's possible. Bilton. It's very stylish. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Luke Perry. It has a very Luke Perry quality. It does. So, yeah. I, you know, the the color, the color selection when I ordered it online, the, this color, whatever the design. So for our listeners who may not have the benefit of seeing us, you know, you've heard Brian and I discuss fashion on the podcast before. Uh, we have both admitted to having similar social anxieties about trying new things, drawing attention to ourselves. I will say that I, every couple of years, I just get this streak inside of me where I got to try something different. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and so I am wearing a, a it's a bomber jacket. It's a track Good jacket. for you. Bomber jacket. And it is like plaid-ish. Yeah. But the color online when I ordered it is described, I think, accurately as London. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah. Feels like London. Yeah. It's so, funny because my head, it, it it's like, it feels like bold, but <laughs> I, I feel like if I said that to my wife, she would die laughing. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and this is a funny thing because I do think your wife is always kind of after you to branch out, try new things, have a different outfit. Right. Anytime I try, try something new, my wife is like, what are you doing? <laughs> Just don't. <laughs> Don't do that. You know? right. Go back to the hits. Right. Just stick, stay in your lane. Right. But so my wife did not like this jacket <laughs> at all. That's like, amazing. She was just like, what do you think you're doing in that thing? Right. Like, no. Not supportive at all. No. And you, no. Fought, you fought through it, though. You said, this is who I'd like to be. And I, yes. I, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. I'm gonna live it on my terms, Brian. Right. Yeah, this is who this is me. Yeah, congrats this to is, you. Thank you. <laughs> and now, to be to be fair, I didn't wear this to work today. Um, okay, it's I don't find it to be a work outfit. Right. I I would like to wear this out one night when right. you know, people go out again. I want to wear this. I have a whole outfit in my head. I'm very excited for it. Right. You know. It'll have to be an event that's not just a date with my wife because she she hates the jacket, so it'd be really lost on her if I just wore it out. Yeah. Right. It's not for her. It is for me. Uh, But so I brought it in with me today so that I could just put it on for our podcast because I thought, you know, it got delivered like right before the weekend and and I tried it on. My daughter loved it. Right. She was like, yes, daddy, this is... (laughs) This is how you need to be living life. Yeah. Uh, But my wife vehemently disliked it. I just thought because we've had many exchanges about our outfits on this, in this space here. I thought what better way to open a post, our first post Giants victory podcast of the year 
by revealing to you my bold choice. A well, choice. I support it. I support thank you. It. Well, thank you. Yes. And I hope I, I can inspire you, Brian. If I can wear London, you can, you know. Yes. You can do it. I think it is time. I, I, I am inspired. You have inspired me. Can I actually say, can I share a text I received today? Speaking of looks. Please. This was from my mother. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I sent my mother a photo. I went to the, I think we did discuss it on the show. I went to the Notre Dame, Wisconsin game at Soldier Field. Yeah. Took a picture in the parking lot with four or five other gentlemen. You know, nice photo of the day. Just sent it to my parents. Like, hey, this was this fun day that I had. You know, there was some old friends in there, faces they might recognize. I thought they would enjoy it. This, this was the response to this photograph of me from my mother. <laughs> great photo. Looks like you had a great time. And even with a quote-unquote little less hair on top <laughs> no. in my humble opinion you're still the best looking guy in the group <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this is so great it's oh like so unbelievable my, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know like thank you i guess right i don't know yeah this i guess a good segue i think into the giants right well i received that text how was I supposed to feel about it? Yay! Yes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Good. Or, right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of that John Mulaney bit. Like that's the thing I'm sensitive about. You know, it's just like <laughs> you know. The funny thing is, I had I had I had the reaction of actually looking at that photo, and I had the thought to myself, like you know. I have lost some hair, but like it's uh, hanging in there. Actually, you know, I had that thought, and then I got that text that was like false, wrong, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. You actually convinced yourself that your hair was not a problem, <laughs> but none other than your own mother. Right. Uh, nope. It's the pointed out to you. Everybody notices. Yeah. Anyway, were there Darian folk other than Gropa there? No, it was uh yeah that he would be the only face that my mother recognized. But okay, anyway, because he's still got a he's still got a full head. Yes, yes, he does. Yeah, so, so that's the tough. That's the tough would, one. Yeah. Would love that head of hair. Apparently, <laughs> oh, she thinks I'm better looking. If she, if there was anything that could be changed, give me right. this hair. <laughs> <laughs> Despite your biggest insecurity, you are still so unsolicited you know like right. it wasn't like i sent that picture as like look at me or please send me a, a you know affirmation about how i look in this photo but i, right. I don't know anyway too oh, good that's wonderful yeah. yeah that is vintage your mom oh my god just linda mena ladies and gentlemen <laughs> <laughs> oh god i just died when i got it that is perfect. Well, and that is that you're right. That's the perfect segue into the Giants. It felt it's like, yay, we won. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Giants! 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 <laughs> All right. So <laughs> so you're you're just you're you're here. You're all in on embracing uh the 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 joy. Is that is that is that correct? 
well, I'll say this. One, I really liked, I really enjoyed watching the Giants win a ball game. I really needed it. I really wanted it. I really appreciated it. Do I think that this like changes anything for the Giants or, you know, materially alters the course of the season? No, I don't really. But I will say this. If you wanted to be optimistic about the Giants, if you if you were searching for any reason to hope, you saw everything you could possibly get to to cling to that. Like the Giants, the story they've been telling themselves, they got everything that they would have wanted to say like, hey, this is this is what we think we can build on. You Daniel Jones played great. I mean, un- unequivocally played a great game. Yeah. Saquon Barkley was explosive and a difference maker. Kenny Galladay was very good. Kadarius Toney was great. Looked super promising. Andrew Thomas played awesome. Like the, the offensive Thomas line awesome. held up. So against a it, very good defense. Right. Against a very good defense. The, the fact that they only scored 27 points was actually sort of disappointing when you consider how, how much yardage they put up and, and plays they made. And we can get into why that ultimately is why, you know, I, I, I'm not going to go crazy about this game. <laughs> But if you're trying to get optimistic, if you're wanting to cling to anything, you saw everything you could possibly ask for, like all of the elements of the things that the Giants thought thought to themselves what might go well this year went well in this game. Yeah, I agree. Right. This is what had we come out like this in in week one, we probably would have heard from Dave Gettleman. You know, he probably would have been falling in front of a camera to try and you know get himself out there to talk about this is what we were talking about this right. is how we wanted to look right um you know and 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 it was against the legit defense too that's hard it's hard to argue that you know this what they were able to do yesterday isn't something that they can do again i mean the saints have an incredible defense uh so where would you like to start like i just think i do want to take a second where i think that our offensive line was a real difference maker yesterday I mean, that they just allow things to happen. And thank God Andrew Thomas is playing well. I know. Oh, my God. I know. Thank God. Thank God. It's something. Yeah. I mean, look, I think you got to start. I mean, look, it, it, it was Daniel Jones is the best game of his career. I mean, he played yeah. great all the way around. He made a number of really good throws. I thought he threw it well, like, all day. I mean, almost every pass he completed was, like, a bullet. You know, yep. I mean, I mean, it was no dinks and dunks like it was chunk play after chunk play um, made a number of really good throws. The touchdown to Ross was a great throw. The touchdown to Saquon was a great throw, made a bunch of really good throws to Galladay, um, led both the, the field goal drive to send it into overtime. And then we get the ball. I mean, I think that was a big deal for him to get the ball in that OT and drive it down the field and score a touchdown and not let them get it. Like I, that is something that like I didn't think the Giants we're capable of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I did not think as a matter of fact, when uh, you know, Jabril Peppers did his thing at the at the coin toss, I was just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I know. Like, <laughs> what are you so excited about? Like, we're about right. to punt. I totally agree. Like, and and I thought it was really it really felt like something at least to have Saquon bang it in, you know, like yep. from the, about the six yard line and muscle his way. And it was like, yes, thank right. you, Saquon. Like, right. Right. Like we do that because we have you and they don't like, could that happen ever? Like, it was just like that to me felt like was a nice punctuation on the day. Um, yeah. Was that final play. 
Yeah, and I do think, like, with Daniel Jones, it's finally, it, like, you see it. I mean, there wasn't these hints. Like, he put together a game, a wire-to-wire game. There's no caveats about yesterday. There's right. no, like, but this play, or but that happened, or he got lucky here, or, you know, he was running in the wide-open field and fell down untouched. <laughs> like, there's no, <laughs> no other nonsense. He just unequivocally played really well. It's probably his best game since the Tampa game in his rookie year. Right, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely you know? his best game. And his most complete game, and I agree, because even that game came with, like, we should have lost that game to Tampa Bay. Right. You know, it was like, this was like, right. This was his signature performance. Yeah. There so was confidence. There's just, there's just undeniable confidence in the performance, I think. Absolutely. And that's why I say yeah. that last drive. I mean, I just think getting the ball there in that overtime, you know, after I thought a kind of a disappointing final drive where we had to settle for a field goal. And we can get into that because I still think Joe Judge is, you know, I, he's got to get more aggressive here. But um so, you know, they kind of had to settle for the field goal to tie the game. And you're just thinking, oh, God. And so get the ball and stick it right down their throat. A beautiful drive, you know. And yeah. he made a bunch of great throws on that drive. That was just – it was a nice moment for for a team that desperately need, needed one. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I know. And it's like – I get – we did look exciting. And I was reading – I can't remember who, who put it out there. So I can't attribute it, unfortunately. But just about how, you know – you kind of forget these things because injuries are never really the excuse and they're so common in football, but yeah, I guess, you know, Galladay was out most of camp with his hamstring. So I guess it makes sense that week three, he got a little better. And then week four, he was actually a forceful presence out on the field. And, you know, same thing. Saquon was better. Tony who missed a lot of training camp is all of a sudden better. Like, you know, I don't know if you were maybe a lot less cynical than I am, you might even trick yourself into saying like, Oh, now the team actually is at full strength and this is what we should look like all the time. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm not going there yet. Cause like, but, but it does make you regret that where we entered this game. zero and three, you know, like I thought, I think the giants were the better team in two out of the three games they played to start right. the season. They lost, right. They lost two games in which their quarterback played better than the other team's quarterback, which is always a terrible thing to have happen. And looked like they were on their way to a third straight, and which would have been a disaster. So, you know, obviously, the, you know, Giants easily could have come in in this game um, at two and one and left three and one. But you know, you can't. They, 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 you know, they don't deserve us saying that about them. Like they're they're still one and three, um, and they've earned one and three. But yep. it, at least it was it's, – it's a nice win against a good opponent in which they played well. Yeah, right. I mean, what does this mean? Now, I guess like my – and again, I feel bad a little bit. But my initial reaction at the end of the game was, oh, my God, do we have to hear it now from Joe Judge? Does right. he is going to justify – because he had some unjustifiable decisions in that game. Oh, like, I, I do, we won in spite of him. There's no doubt about that. Even though I feel like the entire Giants beat was just outraged openly on Twitter about that decision to punt in the fourth quarter when they were, I don't know, where were they, the 47 or something like that? Yeah, across the 50, down 11 in the fourth quarter, about to go to 0-4, and he punts the ball. I mean, I was was like, 
I was could not believe that decision. And it was just like to me, I was thinking, like, why did we even get off the plane if this was the intention? <laughs> like, yeah, why did we show up to this game? Um, and I know to have it then work, you know, I mean, he's going to draw all the wrong lessons from it. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I don't know. That is, It's like the only, you know, negative unsilver lining to this game is is that the real lesson was, boy, look what happens when we get aggressive and when we push the ball down the field and when we try to get it to these explosive players that we have. And I'm worried Joe Judge is going to take the lesson of like, see, you got to stay patient and punt the ball and <laughs> play field yeah. position and all that gross nonsense. Right. So he didn't come out and crow after the game, which I guess was like more just my reaction to it because it's not really his personality, I don't think, to do that. But one of the things he did say was just about how they don't focus on results. They only focus on process and whatever. And I think that was coded for like, you know, see our process works. Like we have a process and that is to always punt on fourth down and it worked today. Like we don't focus on the results of weeks one through three when not going on forward on fourth down very clearly cost us at least two games. You know, we just focus on process and this time the process worked so in everyone's face right <laughs> is that how you heard that answer or or do you have a different spin with that no i mean i actually appreciated that he i thought i appreciated that joe judge came out and had enough good sense to be fairly subdued you know he he was not it, it was not a victory lap from him you know like i've been right. telling you and and even he, you know i thought it was interesting he was asked about how daniel jones played and he was very i thought reserved you know like i even said i gotta look at the tape blah blah blah. he wasn't like what a game um and i appreciated that too because i do just feel like look the giants don't deserve that at all like look i, I you know some of the players were effusive and that's fine they, they can be excited you know like i, I just appreciate yeah, the players yeah yeah they need a win joe judge kind of keeping it like I'm not going there today. Like we're one and three. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, the whole thing though, like results are the most, like can sometimes be the most misleading thing in like the universe or whatever his line was like the results tell you everything. I mean, results are the most, there's nothing more forget. I mean, process is good, but like results are the point. (laughs) Right. Yeah. They're both important. Like I I get it. Process is important. I'm not going to say it's not, but so is winning. So just win. Results are the ultimate goal. You can have a great process. If it produces terrible results, then it's a bad process. Like that's how that works. Speaking of bad process, where, like what, how many like per like points are we awarding Jason Garrett this week? You know, I mean, he called a good game. Like, I think he pushed the right buttons and it was nice to see. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, backing off any criticism of Jason Garrett. Like, he's had, he's called a few good games with the Giants. It's just that it's the lack of week to week um, productivity. Like, why has it taken so long to get some of these guys involved? Why has it taken so long to throw Saquon Barkley the damn ball? I know. (laughs) Throw him the ball. Throwing the ball. And it is, it's almost like it took us to be 0-3 to get them to be like, all right, let's get the Tony, the Kadarius Tony plays into the game plan this week. And like, you know, let's make sure we're like getting it to Galladay early. And maybe that has to do with Slayton and, and Shepard's and uh Sterling Shepard being out um that got them to do it. I don't know what got them to do it. The problem is, why wasn't that? how we entered the season i know well and also like 
look, we only scored 10 points until late in the fourth quarter. You know, I mean, if we don't get the big play to Saquon, we almost certainly lose that game. Like, even if that's a touchdown drive, if it takes a few minutes, probably you're not going to get a ball again. So that's true. I'm not going to like throw him a parade either. Um, And yeah, I just hope the Giants, like to me, the identity of the team going forward is like you have an okay defense with a good defensive coach, but you don't have any real players. So you can't play like you've got a great defense. Right. But what you do have is some explosive people on offense. And so actually you should be aggressive on offense. Which, by the way, is all intentional. So what? why would that not... (laughs) Like, why isn't that the obvious thing to do? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it was nice to see. Um, it was nice to see that all come together. And I and I said to you, like, I think I think it's really great that we're now headed to Dallas next week with to play yeah. a Cowboys team that is really playing well in Dallas. Like, we get a quick reality check. You know, mm-hmm. like, was this a blip? Is this nothing? Um, you know, go down there and let's see what you got. And, and, and it's, and it's a win or nothing. Like I give you no, if they go down and lose a close game, I'm, I don't know. I still, well, you're, you're still the one in four at that point And like, where are you going? No, I agree. I think we need to, a rule is a rule, Brian. And here on the giants among men podcast, our rule is no moral victories this <laughs> right, year. Right. You got to win. That's it. And yeah, I think Dallas is actually really good. Me too. Me too. I mean, it's like they're not dominant. You know what I mean? Like you can go in there and play a good game, I think, and beat them. But they're very good. So it's like if we go down there, get to two and three, beating that team in Dallas, then we got a season. And that would be great. You know, that would be really nice to at least for a week feel like we've got a season. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, though. I can't, I mean, this is a ridiculous thing to say, but if God, if they win that Dallas game and then they still end up like something like five and whatever. Right, right, <laughs> oh right. God, I, I will hate them so much for that. <laughs> I will, why would you do that to us? Why would you do that? Yeah. You know, I know it's like, it's hard to like, it's hard not to just, you just don't want to get sucked into something fake, you know? And like, yeah so many fake Knicks comebacks over the years and <laughs> lousy teams and the giants have clearly been for years now, like looking for anything to just convince them that they don't have to make the type of changes that they probably really have to make, you know? And so you don't want that to be the thing. Um, but that said, I would still take a win and, a feeling of like okay okay you know like i like joe judge for instance i'm so frustrated by i'm so sick of him (laughs) the 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 lack of aggression on fourth down i just think is unforgivable um and the way this and combined with his otherwise sort of like in your face personality it just the combination is so irritating to me on the other hand i desperately want to love the guy you know what i mean like i want him to be the guy and work out and and i see the things that people see and and the reasons that there's there's been this sort of positivity around him so i am rooting for him but it is like you know i you know it's you just can't i'm not there yet you know i just like but i'm desperate for it yeah, I know. The Giants really have set us up to make unconditional love really, really hard. Right. right. I have a lot of conditional love today. <laughs> right. 
highly conditional. Dad, Brian, I don't know if you know this. Uh, Joe Judge, he used to work for Bill Belichick and Nick Saban. Uh, little known fact about Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, one of his mysterious mentors last night himself had a, a decision that he's getting killed for um, on a fourth down, kicking that 56-yard field goal in the pouring rain of New England, although it did hit the post, you know. But I still think it was a lousy decision. Like, yeah. Because, you know, even then you were going to give them 55 seconds left. Why not go for it there, try to get closer, and then you could you could kick it, you know, make it the game-winning kick. Um, and Mac Jones was playing okay. That's kind of his wheelhouse, his fourth and three. Um, I thought that was a really strange move. And Belichick has been weirdly really conservative on fourth down all year this year. I don't know if, like all the years of being in close games is like getting the better. I don't understand why this is such a thing, why this is so difficult for NFL coaches to sort of absorb this new understanding of like fourth down aggression and its merits. Like to me, it's the most obvious thing in the world that like, don't give the other team the ball is just like so important. <laughs> you know and I? I mean, I'm not like, go go for it every time or that punting pinning it down like has no place and if you've got a great defense or flow of the game i'm not like against all that but like the the side that says like you should be really thinking about going for it you know that that it's so clear it's so obvious now it's just i don't get why it's seemingly so slow at the nfl level for this adjustment to take place yeah, I mean, I, I really just do think it's it's just really hard for some of these guys to wrap their head around it. Like, you just punt on fourth down. Right. It's fourth down, send the punt team out. Like, that's <laughs> just what we do. And it's like, you don't have to... I mean, I guess the tide is changing now, right? Where some of these guys do have to explain themselves when they punt on fourth down and lose the game. Then you're going to have to explain your thought process. It's not just a given, like, oh, you punted, so... You know, that's just what you do, and, and we can't kill you for that. I think the more and more some of these guys get killed for not punting, I mean, for punting, then you'll start to see the shift. Or like, you know, you lose a big game almost because you punted, and then somebody loses their job. Now, all of a sudden, punting is, is you know, yeah. less automatic. But yeah, I mean, even just like as a fan, just understanding uh, if... If the offense, if, if, like, how do you feel as a fan when the opposing team is not punting on fourth down? I know. You get almost like, it's angry. Terrifying. Yeah, yeah like, right. What are they doing? Right. Like, you right. have to do that. That's just, just punt. Don't right. No, sure. we stopped you on third down. That was the, you know, that's the marker. We did it. Right. Now, what's wrong? You must give us the ball back. No. And also, like, to me, it's, you know, when you're going to make it go from one score game to a two score game, like that would, would I would, that would factor into my thinking a ton. You know what I mean? Like going up six yeah. doesn't do that much for me, but going up nine, now I'm going to, I might kick a field goal. Like, I, and they don't seem to take that into account nearly enough. Um, so I find it really confusing. Right. And it's just sometimes too about putting pressure on the opponent, you know, and, and maybe they'll make a mistake and it could be as easy as that. But Brian, they're focused on the process, okay? That's just yeah. That's where their heads are at right now. All right. Well, let's talk about. I want to talk about Danny Dimes, DJ. Screw it, Danny Jones. What What's going on? Where are you? What's happening? Where am I? I am in a different place. I'll be honest. I think like obviously I want to see more of it, but you know I think that 
he's definitely been better this year than he was last year. Probably because he's in the second year of a system. Obviously, everybody knows that's the most important thing. But to be fair, no, he has looked better this year and he seems to get better every week. And I do think if we were sitting at three and one instead of one and three, how we think about him would be much different. Um, but yeah, then you start to look around the league and, and you know, I don't know. Is he better than Baker Mayfield? Maybe he is. Yeah, you know? like, I think he maybe is. We, I think Cleveland, I was thinking, you know, we were talking about possible trades. Like Cleveland should be calling us. Yeah, I think so, right? <laughs> like, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how good I'm willing to say that he is right now. But I also just kind of like, if he's going to be good, then I really like the kind of player that he is. You know what I mean? I mean, oh, Mac Jones through 19 straight completions or whatever. Who cares? Yeah. I don't care. I'm not impressed know? with him. Right. I don't want that at all. I like a guy who's going to just chuck one down the field or take off running. You know, the thing about the turnovers are the turnovers are so much more acceptable when there are also big, awesome plays to get excited about it. I think that was one of the big problems, especially last year, was there's a lot of turnovers and not a lot of plays that make me feel like you're awesome. Yeah, but I mean, he only has one, tur- he only has two turnovers all season. And, right. And one of them was on a Hail Mary. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So he has one fumble loss. That's it. Yeah. Two fumbles total. But Two fumbles total. <laughs> Right, but I mean, you know, I mean, the thing, and every time he turned it over, it was like they flashed that stat of like, he's got to the thirty turnovers in twenty games or forty turnovers in twenty every time, you know. And it was like, all right, well, year three, four games, he has one legitimate turnover. Yeah, no, that's true. So where I'm at with Daniel Jones right now is very open to him being really good, and at the very least, that when he is good. His style of play excites me a great deal. And if he can really sort of take the bull by the horns here, then it's like going to be very easy to just like ease into loving him and feeling really excited to watch him play. So that's where I'm at. Where are you at? Yeah, I mean, I'm the same. I I think I still think like, you know, one, I think he's a good quarterback. Like, again, I think there's a lot of teams that would really benefit from having Daniel Jones. I think for where the Giants are, the question you're still going to run into is, like, how good are we talking about and and how quick can we make it matter? Because, like, you know, you still got to win games. You know, like, I, I think about, like, uh, Jared Goff, you know, when it was traded to he's, – he's been a good quarterback. He goes to the Lions. He's still playing pretty well. Yeah. But they're 0-4. You know, and like they're going to have a lousy team because he's not so good that he, you know what I mean? And that's what you really want. You want a guy that like there's only so bad you can even be with this guy on your team. Right. Um, And, you know, Daniel Jones, I, I think that still remains really high to be seen. You know, is he Kirk Cousins or is he like, can he be a, a, in that next tier, that real top? And Kirk Cousins is kind of like the line of like where elite go, you know, where you go from like, no, he's damn good to like okay that next level yeah um and i and i don't know my my gut tells me daniel's gonna fall shy of that truly like elite but you know he's i mean i just think like he's playing really well that was a really good game he played and for all the crap he's taken 
there's I mean, I can I could list so many teams that would really benefit from Daniel Jones. You know, like yeah. you put him on the 49ers, the Browns, um, you know, the Bears, like uh who else did I say? Like I think the Broncos would, would should be you know, would be a team that the like, Saints. The Saints, absolutely. Yeah, right. Like uh, the Dolphins, you know, like yeah. a lot of franchises where they could plug in Daniel Jones and he would make a big difference for them. And, and what's just wild is here the Giants are the craziest thing they've done in the in the whole of this ridiculous, terrible rebuild that's gone <laughs> so horribly wrong. The one thing they got right was Daniel Jones and they got so much else wrong that like it may not matter, you know? <laughs> Right. I that's right. And that's the problem, right? And that's what's so like sad about and that's why you can't just enjoy any of this because there's so many conflicted feelings. Like yeah. we should only be talking about how awesome Daniel Jones is and how we finally figured it out. But instead it's like, yeah, you have to it's a legitimate question to ask yourself, does it even matter that Daniel Jones is as good as we hoped he could be? Right. It's better than <laughs> I mean so much better. Like I just feel like I do want some people to be like, All right, this guy's like, there's no shame in taking this guy number six overall in the draft and making him your starting quarterback. Like, yeah. he's 24 years old and he's shown already a lot of promise. Like, um, but, you know, like, there's still the chance. Like, I don't know. I mean, I, I just want to see how this goes. Like, it would be great if we could get a few wins here to, like, give ourselves a season and then and then again, like, turn that. And I know, I'm, I know, I'm getting ahead of myself because I don't want to get <laughs> what I'm starting because I still think there's going to be this real divide of like, can the Giants be good enough this year where you start to look at next year as like, they've got those two first round picks and, you know, we're a right. decent team or are we like four and 13 and then the, and then it's like, all right, who wants Daniel Jones? And maybe he could be like our Herschel Walker, you know, like. Yeah. Could he be the piece that we use to like, and, and would the Giants even be open to something like that? Um, Can I say something depressing? Sure. Like, what if, what we're, if we're between those? Yeah. Right. <laughs> what if this means we win like seven games, seven, like eight games and right. We're, we're stuck in, in total no man's land and it's, it's good enough too, where because I think that's the that's always kind of in the back of my head whenever I like what I see from them or I'm feeling good about them is the problem that the better we do, then the more likely it is we're keeping on Jason Garrett and we're holding on to Gettleman and you know like all these things where it doesn't even matter. I don't care if we end up winning ten games. Neither of those guys should be employed by the New York Giants come next year. Yeah, yeah, and so. I feel like even by doing like pretty well this year or exceeding expectations after setting them incredibly low with an 0-3 start, we learn all the wrong lessons, we don't make the right changes, and then we just continue to be in limbo with players that, albeit we like slightly better than we did before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I hear you. That's a real po- – like I think six six wins is probably like – worst case scenario for what we get to and like daniel jones doesn't totally take off you know and you're then stuck in this like though i think he's been good enough now yeah again the problem is i think he's been good enough now that we could move him if we wanted to but 
a six-win giant team where Daniel Jones plays really well, they probably wouldn't do that. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't trade him. They wouldn't fire Jason Garrett. And, you know, maybe Gettleman retires, but then they just promote, what's his name? The other guy. Yeah. I don't know, you know, because it is so funny. Like, it was one, it's a fourth quarter where they played really great, right? Like, at the end of the day, through three quarters, that game was super depressing. We put 10 points on the board. Daniel Jones looked good, but Joe Judge was way too conservative. We kind of, like, kept shooting. We we weren't aggressive in the the red zone. We only had 10 points on the board. We're losing to a team that's playing lousy. That's a good team, but, like, they weren't playing a great game, you know? Like, Jameis was okay. Um, Wasn't super impressed with him. You know, I was like, I was like, this is awful. <laughs> yeah, no, there was a couple of times. It was really funny, actually, during the game where you texted me, like, you know, some uh, derogatory remark about Joe Judge. And I would be like watching the game thinking, am I on like a little bit of a delay or it, did something just happen? <laughs> I feel like there was a couple of times where you were just like, it's second down. I hate Joe Judge. <laughs> <laughs> it, might, it, it might have been like i might be because my tv is like my internet is always, i'm always like lagging behind <laughs> i was like i don't know nothing really just right. happened. <laughs> just happened i don't like them either <laughs> yeah but yeah i don't know i don't know where it goes but i guess you're right you know it's nice too the thing about texting is now that I, I really wasn't in that great a mood about it still, but then actually seeing you and then us talking about it, I do feel a lot better now. Like I think I'm sort of enjoying the win and yeah, you're right. I think we know, but I think if Dallas trounces us next week, we have to like do something drastic to make sure that we don't go any further than this. Yeah. I hear you. Like if we get smacked around, it's like, okay, don't, you know, uh, yeah. Just stop. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Shut yeah. it down. Stop. I know. Like talking giants, guys, just go, go away. Like just right. just just or join us. Just be with like the reality based community of just like <laughs> this is what it is. It stinks. Based community. <laughs> you want it too. I want to be there with you. Like we wanna be I wanna be excited about you know Andrew Thomas playing great and Daniel Jones like um and all that you, you know i will say the first text you get you get from me where i say and you i think this is such a great insight you had but where i refer to him as dj you'll know i'm all in on Daniel Jones. <laughs> right dj would be good i was referring to him yesterday as the qb still but right know, right relax a little bit right <laughs> Right. There's something so true. There is something about he's Daniel Jones. Like it's my accountant. You know, like it's no he's not part of the family yet. Daniel Jones has been impressing me lately. <laughs> I have an appointment with Daniel Jones. <laughs> Let's see what the refund will be this year. This could be the last year I'm going to this guy. I'm looking know. forward to it. Yeah. That'll be the real oh, God. That will be that'll be the test. Uh, so Brian, uh, anything else on the Giants this week, or now we're just waiting for Dallas? No, I think that was excellent. I think we before uh... before we move on, I just want to say one quick thing is I do think that if you're watching the Steelers at all, because they were the the national game on CBS in the afternoon, 
It is like, I think Eli is the clear-cut winner. Because you know what? Ben fought it off a little bit longer. He had better teams around him. He played for a better organization overall in terms of how it was run and the infrastructure of the whole thing and whatever. But father time has come for Big Ben, and it's just as ugly as it ever was for Eli. (laughs) And... In, and, but yet, if you were an Eli fan, you didn't have the rape allegations. You didn't have his terrible personality. You didn't have – like, Eli Eli held the franchise – like, Eli never held the Giants franchise hostage. I think the Giants held themselves hostage in an attempt to honor Eli. But Eli didn't create that. You know, I think Ben very much has in Pittsburgh. Right, right. Kept himself prominent. You know, he was injured for almost an entire year and then got last year as everyone's like, oh, he's coming back from injury. And now he is just brutal to watch. I know. So if I think in the whole Big Ben, Eli, grand scheme of things, Eli is the winner. And if you don't agree with me, fight me. Also, Eli's post-playing career is off to a flawless start. Yeah. And if he wasn't a Hall of Famer just from his playing career, like I think he has now earned his way in like he is i mean couldn't be doing better i don't think like has to be like the way he is with the giants the youtube show him and peyton that manning cast was is shockingly good stunningly also could bet could ben roethlisberger give the double middle fingers no. On national television and get away with it? No, that would be a huge problem. <laughs> right, right. Just have it be a delight. Yeah. Just a charming episode. Yeah. Just no, a goofy Eli. Right. <laughs> Incredible. But so rest great. in peace, Big Ben's career. We never liked you. Right. We never needed you. And one of your Super Bowls doesn't even count for you. All right. So uh brian it's yankee season yankee season has officially started it starts on tuesday night (laughs) (laughs) it is exciting yeah i'm gonna be a a huge yankee fan for the next couple weeks right and uh 162 game preseason right only concluded (laughs) (laughs) the yankees though took them till the very end the very last game to punch their ticket to the postseason Yep, and baseball. You know, just picturing Rob Manfred watching those that final day, like God, <laughs> just on the just on the cusp of a Yankees Red Sox winner go home game, with the Blue Jays sitting there, just like Blue Jays. <laughs> in MLB offices is just like Blue Jays. Just please don't screw this up. <laughs> we need this. You're not even Americans. I'm excited for it though. That it's gonna be. That'll be fun. Yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be a really fun game tomorrow night. Um, especially the atmosphere, all the Bucky Dent highlights you're gonna see. It was funny because I just had the um, Packers Steelers game on, and you know we had a bunch of stuff going on in the afternoon. And uh, you know as soon as the Giants game ended, I had to tag in as a parent and you know care about my child for a few hours. And then we had to call my parents, and at the beginning of the call, I could see my dad was just agitated and just like not paying attention to what was happening and he was like a little short with Haley and I'm just in my head I'm like what's his problem today like what is he why does he have to be like this like I don't even want to be on this call right now and then finally he goes okay Yankees won all right Haley (laughs) (laughs) but so you were right along with him watching the game I did watch it. It was a good game. Came down to the bottom of the ninth like you know this annoying Rays team that like I don't understand. Like, I don't. Uh, I, I like this Rays team. Honestly, makes me feel like I don't get baseball like at all. Like, <laughs> <laughs> why are they good? I don't. I, I don't. 
like and it makes me hate baseball i don't like <laughs> they have no good players why are they so good i don't understand well, it's also, you're right about it makes me hate baseball. Like, that's so true and interesting because I think all the other sort of cheats that have occurred in all the other sports over the years as analytics has has grown has actually made those sports more exciting. Like, threes are exciting. You right. know, guys who can shoot from half court, that's cool. You know, going forward on fourth down, that's exciting. You know, like the shift and moving base runners and all that's none of that's exciting high pitch counts like just go away right and lots of relievers that are good or i I guess is the because it's like you know you're like okay you look at their lineup and you know there's like brandon lowe who's pretty good player but he's not like amazing you know and then like the rest of the lineup is like everybody's pretty good you know yeah, there's no great, which I guess is their like kind of philosophy. Um, you know, a Rosarina is a good player. I mean, he's very good, but you know what I mean. Like, they don't have John Carlos Stanton. They don't have Aaron Judge. They don't have anybody that like I'm not getting up to go to the bathroom when they're up. You know what I mean? Right. No, it's <laughs> and then, yeah. Okay. Well, they must have great pitching, and then you're like, you look, and you're like, well, not really. <laughs> <laughs> They don't have like they're like they're good pitching, but like they don't have like a dominant starter. There's no Jacob Degrom, and and like I get it all. Like you know, there's a lot of good hard throwers in their bullpen, and and I guess that's something to be said for just having like a well-rounded team. And no, it's stuff. fine. Like, it's just it's still an entertainment product. You have to what? be entertained. You have to want to see oh, the players play. Are they this good? I don't get it. I guess it's just they do have a lot of good players. You know, it's that. So that's that's always a tried and true uh method but I like, I like i like stars you know? yeah right we're millennials ish <laughs> i like the stars i want them to lose uh, you know i'll be rooting for the yankees against them if they beat the red sox but i am excited for you know winner take i think the red sox yankees rivalry is good for baseball i think it needs it a little bit yeah i hope i do think a brawl Something we like really, that. we uh, we also really need the tables to turn on Boston again. You know, like Brady's gone, right? It it it's you, the whole town, the whole city needs to have a moment where it loses its mojo. And I think a like a a Yankees defeat of a Red Sox team that a lot of people in Boston I think think are pretty fun, right? Um, Maybe a just, heartbreaking loss to the Yankees. Yeah, and I mean, look for me, Tom Brady will always be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Agreed. You know, <laughs> that's where his real legacy was, I think, made, you know, on his own with Belichick. Right. Um, and, you know, speaking of, like, Belichick, like, is he in some danger here of, like, you know, I don't know. Like, it is, I, I didn't think there was anything that could possibly happen when Brady went to the Bucks that would make you think any differently of either guy but like the only things that could have happened have have occurred you know what I yeah mean? Like, the, the perfect storm of things that had to take place to make you go hmm have right. happened and it is where you're like well that this is rather fascinating <laughs> <laughs> belichick is fumbling around the team that team looks really lousy and not fun and he is super dour and uninspiring and brady has gone down there and freaking like 
It's just incredible. Yeah, no. Brady is, he's transcended humanity. He's like a, some sort of Buddhist thing now, right? But like, and right, Belichick does himself no favors by being such a jerk. Right. Time. I did read something really interesting. I think it was Mike Sando's piece in The Athletic this morning where he did talk about one of the things that people aren't talking about enough when it comes to the Patriots and how they're playing now is how many longtime Belichick assistants are also gone and left at the same time as Brady. And yeah, he still has McDaniels and Matt Patricia came back, but Flores is gone. And also just a lot of their lower rung assistants whose names most people might know, but who were there for like a decade or more left to go, you know, onto to their own deal. And I do think that makes a huge difference because, you know, his staff is smaller than a lot of staffs in the NFL. Like he likes to keep a tighter circle. He likes to have people that he can trust. And I do think that that's been a problem for them that you might not hear about as much. I think there is something to that, but I do think it's, it's, you know, it's over. Brady gets more credit and that's that. It doesn't even get to be 50-50. It doesn't get to be. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, like it does feel like I, I'm not saying Belichick anything negative but you are start you almost start to feel like billy billy boy you yeah. need to, you need to string a couple wins together here my friend like i'll give you this year like you show up next year with this team they gotta i want to see them play some ball right <laughs> right you don't get any points for 19 straight completions right right no. and you know kicking field goals in the rain from 56 yards that was a, you know that's a curious decision like yeah in the rain like you know tom tommy it looks like he was covering up a lot of flaws down there yeah i mean yeah bill you coached in that super bowl man when norwood missed that kick how are you calling for a field goal here <laughs> you were there man right yeah so i don't know i mean i'm just i just can't believe it's even like it it only could have you only could have even been having these kind of conversations if things went like a super specific way and they went that way. And they, right, they've gone that way. Yeah, like it's really crazy. I have uh full disclosure pre-ordered a copy of It's Better to Be Feared and I'm really excited to read it. Oh yeah, that'll yeah, be the, good. The Seth Wickersham book on all that went down up there, uh particularly with Alex Guerrero who is Tom Brady's weird right sidekick yeah <laughs> like, right but who but like whose results are hard to argue with that's i guess very, i don't know it's yeah, very the true. dark arts well speaking of darkness this week brian the many saints of newark came, dropped on friday uh i think it would have been harder to be more excited than i was uh i was so excited i just would not wait you and i both watched it friday night i think yep um and so, uh, what did you think? I really enjoyed it. You know, I think it lacked, it didn't quite have the bite of the original. You know, I like the way I felt about it was like, it wasn't, I didn't love it as much as I wanted to, but when it was over, I felt I could have watched 10 more hours of it. Yep. And yeah. if it had been a two hour series premiere of a spinoff show i would have been super excited to turn it tune in next week <laughs> since it was a movie i don't think it totally succeeded as a film but uh i you know i still 
you know, I want, I'm like, all right, let's get all the way up to Tony. Like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want to see the whole thing. No, absolutely. And I do. My only issue with it, really. Well, first of all, I don't think that I don't even understand why there had to be a racial storyline. Like, it didn't serve the story at all, I don't think. Right, right. So it's not even like, oh, I didn't like it or like, and I I definitely am not saying that they had a real chance to address race in this this movie and they didn't do that. Like, that's not what this movie is for. Right. So I don't think that's a fair criticism. I just didn't understand why it was there. Like, I get that the riots were happening, but the riots could have been, we'd have to know anybody in like involved, I don't think. Right. Although, well, I guess they were, it was the backdrop to everything going on, right? Like this is the period we're talking about. And, you know, the, the, this is when these events are taking place and this is the, um, surrounding what's in the air. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was a little clumsy also how it was kind of executed. Yeah. But I mean, so let's just ignore that for a moment. I think when you say it lacked bite, I agree with you. And the way I interpret that is. I just didn't find like the, it was like they were, the actors were too polished, you know, like Dickie Moltisanti is supposed to be this movie's Tony. I don't think he had nearly the charisma of James Gandolfini, yeah. which is tough. And that's yeah, yeah. it's a difficult expectation. But my problem was when he says something like Hopalong Cassadich, he says it like I just said it. Right, right. You know, like when you'd hear characters on the actual show say it, it was like, hey, Hopalong Cassadich. Like, yeah, you, yeah. like I would have taken worse actors who were more authentically New Jersey than the people that we saw on screen. Yeah. I mean, they seemed very much like people playing the characters in the Sopranos rather than the, the characters existing in the right. world. Yeah. Yes, I agree. And that that's to me was the problem is that there wasn't enough of like a, like just the mob feel to it. And it didn't have to be necessarily Sopranos. Like, you know, Goodfellas is is a is a different film altogether than even The Sopranos is a show, I guess. But like, there was very authentic people in that movie. Like, you believe that they were living in that world. Yeah, I, totally. I mean, I think um, it was. You were like, oh, this is an actor playing the younger version of Pauly. Right. It wasn't like there's Pauly as a younger man. Didn't quite yeah. get the feel that you wanted. Um, although it was also exciting every time you figured out who who a different character was, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> or like, you know, uh, Dickie, I, I watched it again this time with the subtitles on. Or the not the subtitle, the closed captioning on to make sure that I didn't miss anything. And one thing I did miss on the first run through was, uh, you know, Dickie gives mention to his friend Hesh. And, you know, like a couple oh, yeah, guys yeah. get mentioned here and there. They're like, hey, I heard that, you know. Um, getting into some spoilers a little bit. So, uh, you know, with about four minutes left in this thing, if, if, you know, we haven't spoiled anything yet, I don't think. So if anyone hasn't seen it yet, you're our listeners. We love you, but don't listen to this because there's some, some spoilers coming ahead. I really, first of all, I think Michael Gandolfini and Vera Farmiga were incredible. They had the two hardest jobs in the movie. The two characters that would like, the, the standard to which they would be held to would be the highest. And I think they both knocked it out of the park. Yeah, I thought she was great uh, as as his mother. Um, she was so perfect. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I did think this son, his son lacked a little. Like, although I guess he was very true, actually, to the version of Tony that they kind of showed you in the series as a young man. Um, 
and I, I did read somewhere that they had to give him the note, like in some of the first scenes that he was filming, they, they said to him, like, you're not, you're not like adult. You're not 30 something Tony Soprano yet. You're still a kid. You want, you wouldn't really talk to your principal that way. Or right, something right, like that. right, right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I guess that was like, for me, it was like, I sometimes, sometimes felt like he lacked a little like oomph, like he was a little flat to me, uh-huh. but you're right. On the other hand, like when they did always show young Tony, he was much more that way. He was very like a little almost nervous kid. Yeah. And then also with the young, young Tony stuff, I did think it was really great how they like, you know, in the show, when we, whenever we see flashbacks, it's Tony talking to Melfi. So presumably it's the memory as Tony sees it. And one of the things in the show that Melfi's always trying to get Tony to do is grapple with who his father was, but he yeah. can't do it because to acknowledge that his father was a dirtbag is to acknowledge that he is one too, because right. that's who he evolved into. And I think that the movie did shed some light on the fact that like, you know, his father wasn't this like great guy who was super gregarious and everyone in the neighborhood loved him. And his mother was just this awful person who wore him down to a little nub, as he says. It's actually his father was awful, just right. terrible and abusive to his mother, who was then in turn, like often responding to how terrible the father was and then just kind of incapable of having that relationship with her son as well right, and not like right. lumping him into that whole process. And I thought that was just a really interesting spin on it, I thought. Yeah, and it was cool that they actually like retold that scene that they had told in the show of him seeing his father get arrested at the yeah yeah like that was like oh wow that was that was uh, you know I mean it's like you know I thought the reviews some people wanted to be harsh it's like like wasn't going to measure up but it's like I really enjoyed watching it I'll probably will watch it again at some point. Like it's, you know, it, it didn't flop. Like it was a successful project. Yeah. Um, It wasn't a grand slam, but I, I really liked it and I wouldn't, I wouldn't criticize it enough that I wouldn't get more of it because I desperately want more of it. I know, you know, and it's so hard. Like, you know, that's become such a thing in entertainment, right? Is it's just milking this, what they call IP, you know, what we use art is now content (laughs) and IP and you know it's so hard to resist and it's like david chase he doesn't want to make like 20 more soprano shows and it's like i wouldn't want him to except i i also really want him to you know right like, can we have right. the saints of newark the series and like let's go right milk uh, it because i will guzzle that milk until i throw up <laughs> i know you know there was a great article in the times about how like the generation z has like rediscovered the sopranos and i guess it's like doing gangbusters on hbo max which is not surprising at all i mean it's it's the best well, they, series of all time, you know, like... They signed David Chase to a five-year deal at HBO. Oh, really? So there's going to yeah. be at least something. There, yeah, there's going to be at yeah. least one more, yes, yeah. of course. Okay. Also, the right people, I think Vera Farmiga was like, I really enjoy playing Livia, and I would definitely do more of it. And if yeah. she's in, like, she's the one. Like, she's right, the one right. you have to retain from this movie, if anybody. Yeah, yeah, so she was fantastic. Yeah. She was amazing. All right, everybody, that's our show for today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, uh, next week, get ready. Nick's season is about to start, and hopefully, we beat Dallas.